This is the Squared Goal Podcast with Mark Morris and Jared Maruyama. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Squared Co. Podcast. This is Mark Morris, Jared, Mariama is also here. I am. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. You know what? I kind of forget like when we plan to release these because yes. obviously it's before the release date, but sometimes it's like We've actually done a quick turnaround within like 24 hours. I think the It episode Mm -hmm. had like a 24-hour turnaround, but most of the time it's like a week out, sometimes a little bit further. But yes, if you are listening to this on release week, it is Thanksgiving. So it is happy Thanksgiving. It is the week of Thanksgiving, we'll say. I'm not sure exactly when this will happen. (laughs) So do you know what we we should do, which we did not talk about earlier, though? We should talk about what the next episode i believe is going to be right because it's sort of a special episode oh that's right so before we talk about the this replay episode with luke flowers next week it's it's a special uh release schedule where we have the master of one podcast hosts um, but we interview each one of them individually so the master of one podcast has three hosts um, luke gall patrick hill and andrew sale And we got the opportunity to sit down and talk with each one of them individually. Uh, We came up with a set of questions and we asked them all the same questions. So you get to hear their perspective on their podcast and kind of their, you know, how the podcast has affected their lives. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's not what I meant. But good, because we did want to talk about that a little bit, too. Oh, man. Okay, so before you go on now, I think I I know where you're going with this. But But before we um, we do our special trilogy with the Master One podcast, we just recorded. We just recorded all of their episodes. So that's like super fresh in my mind. What you're talking about, we haven't recorded yet. So anyways, I'll let you take over that portion. But... Go ahead. <laughs> Boy, Mark is ready for bed, folks. Sorry. He's having a stroke <laughs> uh, on the air. Uh, so the next episode, actually, if we do this right, if everything goes <laughs> as planned and it doesn't always, the next episode, we're going to review uh, Pixar's Coco. Um, yes. And we're going to have uh, a few guests on uh, that we have not had on before, surprisingly. I think that's the first time we've done that for one of these review kind of roundtable things. Um, Mm -hmm. So who knows? Everything could spin wildly out of control and we cancel the whole thing. But right now the plan is to (laughs) go see Coco uh, this week sometime, this Thanksgiving week, uh, and then uh, review it and turn around an episode pretty quickly here. So next week, if we don't change anything, it's going to be a very (laughs) busy, busy week. Packed week of episodes. A lot of Squared Co. podcast episodes. Yes, so buckle up, gentlemen and ladies. But that's not why we're here right now. (laughs) No, 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 no. So um, we got the opportunity to speak with Luke Flowers uh, a handful of times, actually. So this will be the first time that he's been on the Squared Code podcast. Certainly not the last time. But he is just a super nice and very positive, creative person. He's very, (laughs) very encouraging which uh, I love. It's I've been on the receiving end of his support and encouragement. 
he's just a very very nice nice guy and it was a, a it was a lot of fun to get to sit down and, and get to know him a little bit better. That is uh, an understatement because if you know <laughs> Luke or follow him online or Facebook or Twitter or any of that, he writes very long, very heartfelt responses or critiques of your work or yes, you know, thank yous. Uh, he's just uh, very prolific in his praise and his. Uh, just everything. So uh, if you don't know that, go go find him on social media, follow him, and you'll see what I mean. He's just uh, one of the nicest guys you'll ever you'll ever meet if uh, social yeah. media counts as, as meeting. So this was a, a <laughs> while back. He recently did a show at uh, Gallery 1988. I probably, right. I don't know. You can go check it. I'm sure it's still up on the site. Uh, maybe not everything's available yeah. anymore. This takes place, this interview originally took place long before that um and he i think had we a, might like kind of briefly mention that right. he's got a show coming up right but yeah definitely we're again we'll leave links to his work in the show notes but he just did a show with glenn brogan um at gallery 1988 and it, it was a really fun show uh so if you haven't already checked that out please be sure to do so so yeah, this was I think one of the last things we we recorded before the cutoff happened with this iTunes split. So yeah. we wanted to make sure we got this one back up there so that the uh, iTunes people can hear it as well. And you know what? We didn't. Need, I think this was just like a happy accident. But this this is a good one to go up because of his positivity for Thanksgiving weekend. Or oh, there week. you go. Yeah, it's yeah. a little bit of a stretch, but yeah, that works. I think that works. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Jared, just give me one for once. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving, Mark. <laughs> All right. Uh, enough rambling for me. Uh, here is our first episode. Oh, nope. More nope. rambling. Yep. Just kidding. So um, if you do like this episode and you are a fan of Luke's, we do. He is in another episode along with Dave Pryor. With a, It was our first roundtable episode um, where we discussed all things Muppets. So. If you are a fan and you want to hear more about that, go check out our Muppets episode or our Muppets roundtable discussion. But now, with all of that being said, here is our first episode interview with Luke Flowers. Enjoy. I want to jump just straight into the guest. Um, he is an artist and illustrator by the name of Luke Flowers. What's going on, Luke? Welcome to the show. Hey, Luke. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Welcome. I think uh, so. We we talked about this before we started recording, but I think you are one of the only people who has listened to all of our episodes. Is that still accurate? <laughs> have you listened to? Are you up to date with the Squared Co podcast? Yeah, I'm waiting for the like little button to arrive in the mail. It says I'm the number one fan or something. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're still working on the fan club uh, entries and sign-up sheets, so we'll send that out to you and then determine if you are, in fact, number one. <laughs> um, but thank you so much for taking some time out of your, your evening to talk with us. Um, so before we jump into the art side of the conversation, you are... Jared and I are California natives, and you are from not California, but <laughs> recently you made a trip to Southern California, so I wanted to start by talking just a little bit about that, uh, the trip you had down to Southern California. Uh, yeah, I mean, we live out in Colorado, um, okay. so if I had it my way, we'd like to live out in California, but uh, it's 
a little trickier with kids and, and then yeah. we'd settle in school. But um, yeah, so we try to get out there every couple of years and uh, make a little road trip out there. And, Did you uh, actually, so you, you drove out with the family? So it was a, yeah, it's like a two day trip. You know, we like break it up. We usually stay somewhere in Utah and then, so it's kind of like eight hours on both sides. So you started um, like early July or right around uh, the D23 convention and you actually went to the convention or the expo, right? Yeah, that was like our first day we got in. We stayed down in Oceanside, um, sort of near the beach, and then mm-hmm. took the, it was like an hour drive down to the Anaheim Convention Center. And so that was kind of a fun way to kick off the, the trip. It was just me and my son, and then my brother-in-law and, and his son went. Oh, cool. All the, uh, all the girls stayed back because they weren't that interested. But did you? <laughs> then they were kicking themselves when they heard it was like the big princess <laughs> gathering. They were like so sad to miss that. So. Was that the uh, first time you'd been to the D23 Expo? Yeah, it's been on my radar to like get down there every year, and just was perfect timing that we happened to have our plans to do that family trip in it. Oh, was so you coincided. didn't actually plan the vacation around D twenty three? It was just a happy coincidence. Yeah, it was <laughs> quite a happy coincidence. When I started looking through the the dates, and then I was like, "Oh my gosh, we're going to be there!" So yeah, that was a fun way to kick it off and start the the Disney magic. So, so as a newbie, I, I was blown away. I had no idea what to expect. Yeah, as a newbie for the for the expo, what did you think? Was it bigger, smaller than you expected? Yeah, I mean, it was way bigger than I expected. I, I felt like you know, it's like I always thought I was a pretty big Disney fan. Then you go there and you realize that there's much much bigger <laughs> Disney fans. Uh, so that was just fun. Yeah. I mean, the costumes alone was just eye opening. The the lady with the like runaway train mountain costume was. By far, just the most wacky thing I've ever seen. <laughs> so, did you did you end up um, purchasing anything while you're at the convention, or just kind of check out all the different exhibits um, and booths? Yeah, I mean, we got a, a few little things. I had to really control myself because if I go to those things, it could get out of control. And we had a whole vacation <laughs> ahead of us, so I'm sure you know. <laughs> you you didn't want to. Like, hey, kids, we're going to stay on the beach. Your wallet the at the, the beginning. Yeah, and plus I knew we were yeah. going to the parks, and then I was going to do all these gallery um, tours too. So I was kind of having to pace myself, but it was hard because there's some really good stuff there. Um, I really like there's like the collectors yeah. alley kind of yeah. area where you get all those kind of like old time like I'm a big collector mm-hmm. of all that old timey Disney stuff, like old you know golden books and you know records and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it was fun to see some stuff and kind of make notes of like wish list items. And be like oh, I hadn't seen that out there yet, so. But they did. I mean, there's yeah. so many Did fun you guys do things. any of the panels? Oh, yeah. We went to like the Gravity Falls one and then the big animation one. Uh, oh, you did? So those, were, those were the two reasons we went for the Friday um, dates because of I mean, Gravity Falls is one of our favorite shows. And uh, so it was mm-hmm. just fun to see some of them live. And Did you did you end up going to the parks after after that? Yeah. I mean, so that was a good thing about it kind of prepared us for waiting in line since I had no idea you had to like wait in line <laughs> to like go to a, a booth or something. So that was kind of a bit of a shock. Um, but yeah, it prepared us for the, the long Disney lines. Uh, but actually, I think it was interesting because we went, I guess, um, uh, maybe it was Monday or Sunday. So I think a lot of people were still over at the convention. So I think it took a lot of people out of the parks. Um, and plus it was mm-hmm. Disneyland's yeah. like 60th or I 65th birthday or something like that. So we went to California Adventure that first day. Um, so a lot of people were over mm-hmm. at Disneyland for their festivities. So actually it was a pretty slow day over at California Land or California were Adventure. You a, were <laughs> you able to go on the new Guardians ride? We did. That was like, that was the first thing. We're like fast pass chunkies. So we were, we, we're the kind of like, <laughs> our kids are at the age now where it's like a marathon across the park to get 
you know, mm-hmm. work the fast pass. But um, yeah, it was really fun. I mean, it wasn't really anything different than the the other one, but it was fun visually. Yeah, just dressed up a little bit differently. Yeah. It was fun to see all the little, like, uh, the way they set it up, you know, with all the little artifacts from the collector. I thought that was pretty clever. Yeah, so did you care at all that they changed it from, from Twilight Zone to, to Guardians? Uh, I didn't. I was surprised that they chose Guardians, but, um, you know, just because I feel like there's <laughs> so many amazing properties they could have run with. But uh, I didn't ever, I mean, maybe I just never understood the connection with, uh, you know, Twilight Zone and Disney, but. I mean, obviously there's something i just i never when i went on the, the first time i was like i don't get this but it's great <laughs> i think it um just the only like beef i have if you even want to call it that with the new ride is that um the hollywood tower of terror like it was actually the facade kind of worked where it, you know it was an actual hotel it was a fake hotel but it was still a hotel so it made sense to exist and now it's this like this space thing. So I don't know. It just, to me, when you're driving down and you look at the Hollywood tower of terror, it kind of makes sense. Like it could exist kind of, but this space thing is like, it's very jarring to see this gold building, um, going through Anaheim. Yeah. yeah, It is like, especially when you look, uh, if you're at that, uh, entrance area and you, you look past the Carthay, uh, you know, restaurant tower there. Yeah. It's just like, it used to look more like old, old timey Los mm-hmm. Angeles. Now it's this mm-hmm. thing in the background that, you know, until it just doesn't fit. Well, it doesn't well. make sense. I mean, even when they do add Marvel land back there or whatever, it's still weird to see that as the backdrop for this great sort of, you know, old fashioned uh, city street thing that they had redone so well. So that is, yeah. that's a little unfortunate, yeah, but <laughs> that's true. That is a loss. Yeah. And I mean, I was just sad that Muppet, you know, Muppet 3D went away. That was like my favorite sound. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was awesome, too. That was a little heartbreaking. It was. Yeah. I and mean, well, hopefully they're keeping it. I don't know if I haven't heard officially that they're they're dropping it completely yet, but uh, maybe it'll maybe it'll, I think it's staying in Florida, it seems like at least. Yeah. And the Florida, yeah. yeah, but the other one is now like Disney or like some hero thing. So, right. 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 Uh, I couldn't even bring myself to walk into it. <laughs> <laughs> so do you get a chance to go to Cal or Disneyland semi-regularly? I seems I think you said you come to California every couple years or so. Is Disneyland like a staple in your California trip? Yeah, I mean that's usually the, the main reason we're heading out there. Just <laughs> our, our kids are at such good ages. I think we've gone almost every other year yeah. with them since they were like gosh, maybe like three or four. The first when our son was born. Um, it's just, it's good memories. I, so those are some of my favorite trips growing up. So yeah. Do they, nostalgic. do they have a favorite park? Do they like California Adventure or the original Disneyland side more? It, that was interesting on this trip. I think they lean more towards the Disney, uh, or the California Adventure just cause it has all the, a little bit more action rides, you know, with mm-hmm. the, the boardwalk and, and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, um, I think that the Disneyland side is more about the environment and like getting lost mm-hmm. in this experience. Um, yeah. And then the California Adventure side is, I mean, it's in the title. It's more adventurous and it's got more of the thrill rides. Yeah. And they're, they're my, my, my two daughters are like really into cars right now. So, oh, there you they go. They just love got being a whole cars land, cars so, yeah. land for them. <laughs> how, how old are your daughters, if I can ask? Oh, yeah. Um, so, our youngest is eight. And then, oh, okay. Uh, our middle is 11 and then my son is 13. 
Oh, okay. And they're all your daughters are into cars. That's great to hear. I bet Disney's happy to hear that. <laughs> oh yeah. And then it was fun because we, we we went out and saw it um, while we were there. You know, we kind of held out to wait until we could watch it um, down there. So oh, you did. And oh. of course, they were even more into it. You know, so yeah. Right. Fun. What did you think of three? I yeah, I went in with pretty just like even you know expectations. Uh huh. I I love the way that they kind of wrapped it back around and had a lot of the just sort of nods back towards like, you know, the original story and then kind of passing the torch. And so mm-hmm. it was really fun. And it was fun because then my kids got really into like how they were all connected and the whole like, you know, Doc Hudson's backstory and his teacher. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I thought it was pretty clever. Did you end up seeing it, Mark? Uh, no, I did not. <laughs> but I do agree with Luke. Like anytime I have the opportunity to see a Disney movie or a movie that's connected to the parks in some way, like it is fun to go see it at downtown Disney and then kind of walk into the park (laughs) and be able to, you know, extend the experience a little bit more or up your, your fandom for whatever movie is connected. Um, ironically they had the Tomorrowland I think they had the actual the red carpet premiere at downtown Disney, um, but it didn't do so well. So like there's no you can't find anything that has to do with that movie in the parks anymore. Oh, I think I think for like a week, all the trash cans and like the Tomorrowland symbol from the movie were was in Tomorrowland. And then like after opening week and it, it may have been longer than a week, but pretty quickly they took all that stuff down. Yeah, they had pretty high hopes. There was even like action figures for it and everything. Yeah, we liked it. I, I like the message. It probably the delivery was a little off. Yeah, the well, message was great. Uh, I think we lost Jared actually. It, oh, okay. Man, we it, jinxed it. So the listeners don't know this, but we had like, <laughs> oh, there he is. There is. Oh, oh, we lost him again. All right, so we're gonna keep on going. Um, aside from Disneyland, can you uh, like? I can't even tell is. on my end here what's happening. Well, all right. <laughs> oh, man, I'm going to have to totally edit this stuff now. <laughs> all right. I'm going to try and keep this going. And Jared will pop in whenever he gets back. Um, so after your your Disney, your D23 experience and the Disneyland trip, was there anything else significant or that stood out in your trip this time out to Southern California? I know you. So you regu- you're a an artist that contributes regularly to Gallery 1988. Were you able to go to 88 or Nucleus or some of the other um, LA based art galleries? Yeah, that was one of the other um, reasons for uh, we kind of broke up our trip half, um, you know, down in Oceanside, and then the other part was up in Los Angeles mm-hmm. uh, areas because uh, there was a show opening. Um, it was for um, the 30 Years Later show. Um, okay. So, uh, so it was it was just another great coincidence that there happened just be a show opening when I was out that way. So yeah, it was fun to actually be there for one of the openings of the show that we, I was actually in. Um, so it was a really good opening night, and then um, and then the next day I, I kind of always try to hit a couple other galleries that I have work in mm-hmm. regularly. We went over to Creature Features, um, which is always fun because there's like. Halloween Town, and there's lots of really fun little, like comic shops and collectors stores over there. So. Yeah, um, um, I'm not that familiar with Creature Features, but that's the the gallery you did the Rocketeer print through. Is that right? Yeah, 
Yeah, so they always have some really unique little shows. And the cool thing, if you haven't been over there, it's it's really they have like a lot of little like trinkets and goodies from like films, just you know, spanning. I mean, any film you'd be into, they've got uh-huh. little like books from it, or little like lots of cool Disney old Disney stuff, or like old. I really like Tim Burton. He's like one of my favorites. They have lots of old. Um, you know, just like the kind of stuff that would come out at a movie premiere. Oh, um, so it's from the actual time period of that the movie was released. So they have like yeah, old so, collectibles from that time. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah, it's just yeah, like a really cool, cool like collectible store. It's a lot of old stuff and then some modern ones too. Mm-hmm. And they've kind of got it broken up into like sections, like old Halloween stuff in the back and like like sci-fi stuff and monster movie f- films. And Yeah. Yeah, it's a fun shop. That's cool. So, oh, there oh. he is. Can you hear me now? <laughs> yeah. Um, so for your for the show though, if I can go back to Gallery 1988, what was the piece that you did uh, for that for that show? Oh, that was it was for my all time favorite film, uh, Raising Arizona. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> whenever I tell people out there like that's a random favorite film, but I just feel like I don't know the Coen Brothers. That was like one of the films I grew up just watching constantly. So <laughs> I did sort of a nod to um, like a Choose Your Own Adventure cover. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's like. If Raising Arizona was a choose your adventure cover, um, I would not. Knowing the subject matter that you you work in and and all the things you're fans of, I would not guess Raising Arizona <laughs> would, would, would even break the top five, let alone be the number one movie. I mean, there's the Muppet films, which hold the you know unbreakable. But I mean, as far as like just a you know uh, live action film, I guess you'd say or whatever you'd say that kind of film is. But yeah, yeah it's just it's nonstop just absurdity, and, and it was like it's, Nicolas Cage at his finest. Yeah, really, so, at his wackiest. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Muppets, and we know that you're a big fan of them. Um, but I don't know if it was this trip out, but I heard that you've actually been to the Muppet Studios. Was that this uh, yeah, time around? I, yeah, I went there last time. Uh, okay, out in LA, like uh, I guess two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Justin Hilden, he works there. Um, he's one of their illustrators. Um, oh, cool. Um, so he does actually a. A lot of work, concept work, um, on a lot of new shows, but also, you know, now they're doing all these like, you know, sort of not reboots, but kind of bringing back sort of Dark Crystal, you know, Labyrinth just had its, you know, anniversary. So there's a lot of new kind of stuff for that. And so now they're kind of pushing Dark Crystal stuff. Um, So uh, Justin works there. He's worked there for uh, ever since I've known him. Um, And so he, last time we were out there, he just invited me to stop in. And and so I got a little glimpse of the, you know, just the studio. It's just, I don't know if either of you have ever been there, but it's just amazing. It's so quaint and it's um, Charlie Chaplin's old Mm -hmm. um, studio. So there's still all this like really neat history of him. There's like his footsteps in the concrete where he did his like little, you know, walk thing. And then, and it's like a lot of it's still historical. So they haven't torn down lots of those buildings because they're landmarks. And and then they have like, it's really fun because they have like, you know, there's like a Skeksis and the like foyer and uh, you know, <laughs> right. there's like uh, all the guys from Turkey Hollow, the, the uh, creatures. Um, there's like a head from uh, where the wild things are. Hmm. So they have all these like neat little, you know, elements. But then it did have a big sound stage and um, mm-hmm. and they've got it set up right now. Right when I, we were there, they were getting ready to um, do some like digital puppetry. So they have all this amazing rig where they do all their like 3D um, puppeteering for like uh, – Sid the Science Kid, um, mm-hmm. or um, uh, Splash and Bubbles is—I don't know if you guys watch any of their current shows, but you know, my, our kids are still young enough that they enjoy a lot of their 
yeah. current shows. Uh-huh. So it was neat to just kind of, you know, my kids had never seen it, but they're, you know, huge fans. Like we watched, you know, the Creature Shop Challenge together. And, and so they love seeing the inner workings of how puppets worked then and now. And just seeing the actual like digital rigs and stuff that they can do where you're like actually don't have a puppet, but you're actually, you know, mm-hmm. making it move and do its thing digitally. So, so do they offer um, actual tours to the public or is this something you have to have kind of an invite or somebody that works there let you in? Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's sort of closed because it's it's not like um, not like a Warner Bros. Like a lot where they're like, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, it's like, a, you know you're walking through and seeing like sets and stuff you know they have the big sound stage where they do a lot of um the work and like creature you know the creature shop has a lot of their gear in there um often like they were just working on the dark crystal um stuff some of it was in that that um sound stage but then a lot of it is in another big warehouse across town um i think so it's it's mostly office stuff mm-hmm. now and and sort of like people you know just doing the day-to-day branding and, and sort of marketing and all that. And then like all the Henson, the, the cool thing is like all the Henson kids, you know, still work there. Um, yeah. like, uh, Lisa and Cheryl and Brian. Um, so they're all there. They have like their little offices in the back there. And then another cool thing is it's actually still a really big working um, music studio. Um, so oh, Henson's okay. recording studio is actually really, really high end recording. So they have people like, you know, Daft Punk was there last time I was there and, um, Justin, my son's a huge Justin Bieber fan, much to my chagrin. But uh, Justin Bieber was there like the month before or something, so he thought that was cool. But so they, and then you can have, and then people rent out these spaces, these little bungalows that are, it's sort of like all these little old houses kind of around the square. And then mm-hmm. they've got little places you can rent out for people that want to, you know, work there, or people that are working on production stuff there. Mm-hmm. Sounds there really cool. cool. I mean, and just the, yeah, it's really quaint. The history that goes in there too. I'd love to be able to just see that. I mean, if they don't have a guided tour, I'm sure, um, you know, there's information online, but it'd be really cool to see where some of this, I don't know, these ideas and shows were kind of birthed. It would be like, I'd love to see all that behind the scenes stuff, especially because it's like a working studio with the actual making of these puppets and things. But I kind of want to see Muppets working there. You know, like you yeah. know, this idea that <laughs> Muppets Riding are behind bicycles. the desk or yeah, exactly. Like a, <laughs> like a who framed Roger Rabbit kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, just, that would be know, so cool. <laughs> that's how I would kind of want to keep a picture of it in my head. Yeah. And back in the day, I think it was more that now they actually don't even have any of the Muppets being made there. All those are mm. made actually out in New York in oh, the, um, no. you know, the actual place there. So this is more the like studio where they, you know, do a lot of the kind of day-to-day production, especially a lot more of the digital stuff now, like all the current PBS shows and stuff. So, um, and then that's also, I mean, that's kind of like their headquarters, like I was saying, like where all the, you know, Brian and Lisa, Mm -hmm. the the CEOs and presidents kind of do their thing. So have you ever been out to the, the New York studio? I haven't. I mean, that was, that's like on my list of things to do. It's kind of, they don't do tours anymore. They, they've kind of stopped. Um, Mm -hmm. I have a couple of friends that work out there. So I'm always sort of nudging them last time I was out in New York, but, um, (laughs) <laughs> he's, he's actually um yeah, they uh the they're they're the ones that run tough pigs uh-huh yeah listen, the, ever the fan that, site but, mm-hmm. yeah uh so he works there and um so i don't know sometime i'd like to be able to go to see sort of the production side of it yeah uh, definitely so you are obviously a big Muppets fan, and I can see the influence in your work you so for people that don't know you're I think it would be safe to say that you're 
Fuck. <laughs> take take your time, Mark. All right, all right. Let's let's try this one more time. <laughs> um, you are a children's illustrator, children's book illustrator, right? So correct. Not just children. I don't just illustrate children. <laughs> yeah, you illustrate children and children and children's il- books. Um, yes. But uh, let. T- Oh my god, I'm having so much trouble here. What is ha- are you having a stroke? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I have these questions written down too, and I just can't get them out. All right, I'm gonna start easy. How did you start with uh children's illustration? <laughs> Jesus wow. Christ. This is our first episode. Welcome to the first episode. <laughs> what of happened? I don't know. Uh, are you drinking? No. I mentioned Justin Bieber. I think he I got, threw I got off that's flustered. Off. Uh, Jared, help me here. I'm trying to ask. <laughs> How he got started right. with? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's let's, a mouthful. Yeah, exactly. Let's let's back up though, because if children's books is, is something you kind of work up to, I, I would assume. But like, what what kind of uh, was that always a dream for you to do children's books? Uh, yeah, I think that was part of it. I, like, um, you know, Jim Henson really was like probably my biggest hero growing up creatively, mm-hmm. and and so I think that was just seeing the like range of creativity you could do from film to puppetry to you know books i mean to me it was sort of this like wide open um, like field so i was definitely interested in in books growing up i mean i, I was an avid reader of like or just collector of like little golden books and mm-hmm. um, still have a you know a huge kind of ever-growing collection of them but those are the kind of books i kind of grew up thinking like these are you know really special books um and then of course you'd go to school and then there's scholastic books and, and i just mm-hmm. thought that was like Christmas every month. So right. <laughs> I think that's when I started to really get into the idea of like, well, maybe I could, you know, write a book. I loved like telling stories and writing stories when I was little. Mm-hmm. So I think it was just sort of a slow build, you know, and then um, I, I was totally open. I mean, I did want to be an actor for a long time and, and do like theater work. Um, so there was a little bit of that when I was growing up to uh-huh. like in junior high and high school a little bit, but um so did you think you wanted to do puppets for a while then with Jim Henson being such an influence? I know like I, I was a huge Muppets fan growing up and we used to think, you know, for a brief period that that's what we were going to do when we grew up yeah. to, to oh, go for work sure. for Henson. And it felt very <laughs> possible back then. Um, but like, was that an actual dream for you for a while as well to, to do something with puppets or that kind of uh, performing? Um, I think there was a, a little bit of that. I mean, I think there was, I mean, I grew up in the type you know, like uh, vacation Bible schools was a big thing when I was y- younger. So, and of course, there's like the golden age of like cheesy church puppets. So, mm-hmm. I think there was a big like, I was like, well, maybe I could get in that way. But, you know, once <laughs> I started to see like the magic of like what actually happens with puppeteering, I think I, I realized like I'm probably more, you know, sort of on the, the illustrative, conceptual sort of art side rather than actually hands on puppeteering and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that didn't come back around until, you know, probably like five or six years ago and I started doing Chill's book and thinking, you know, maybe I could bring those back together. And, and so I had like a puppet made from one of the books um, mm-hmm. a couple of years back. And, and then that kind of like sort of set me back on the track of wanting to do puppeteering more. And yeah. Did, um, did you actually make the puppet or you had somebody uh, create the puppet for you of your character? Uh, yeah. No, I, I, I've had two friends make them. Um, the, the last two, so the, the dinosaur puppet, um, uh, Blythe Rousseau, um, made that one for me. Um, she's out in Ohio. And then, um, Alex Jen Bash, he's, um, over across the pond. I think, I can't remember like what part of 
the Europe he's in, but um, he created the Moby Shinobi puppet, which I use probably the most now. So I w- actually, I want to talk to you about Moby Shinobi. Um, that is your own character, right? You came up with that whole concept. Yeah, that was, uh, I mean, when you're kind of getting into like, how did you first get into children's books? That's probably been the biggest jump over the past three years into that world. Um, every year, I mean, I'll just do a quick, like, it's every year I go out to this um, Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators conference mm-hmm. out in New York. Um, say that five times fast. <laughs> um, and so <laughs> that was kind of my first big exposure to, like, the world of, you know, children's book publishing. And um, and that was in, like, 2014, I think I went to my first conference because uh, a bunch of my friends were heading out there. Um, and you it's a really amazing experience. You get to put your like portfolio out one night and you, know, you bring some postcards and stuff. And then like 200 plus art directors, editors, publishers, they invite them all to come in from, you know, all the different publishing houses there. And they all kind of just tour, look around. There's probably like hundred, you know, 150 illustrators that put out their, their, their work. And, and they just kind of go through and they kind of have like a little evening made for it for them you're, you're not there so that's a little awkward that you don't actually get to see which is uh, better for them so you don't really know how it goes yeah how does that work then like do you have to sign up for this thing or do you just show up or how do they how do you get to be uh represented at that uh that is showing yeah so um it, you can sign up for it it goes pretty fast as long as you're like attending the conference um we also do like an illustrator intensive the, the like day before the conference and you kind of get an automatic bid into it that way mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's such a, it's a great conference just for networking and, and, you know, just learning the business. And so, yeah, I don't know if either of you guys are interested in that more. I know Jared, you do a lot of children's book stuff. So it's just a fun uh, sort of intro into a little bit more of the publishing side of it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you don't really know what's going to happen. You know, you can gauge it maybe like if, you know, you, they let you put out like a hundred postcards, you can gauge like, Oh, you know, I only have two postcards left. So that's a good sign that, you know, a lot of people took them. I went back home. It was that first year. I really didn't know what to expect. And then a couple, um, I think it was like two months later, then one of the art directors um, at Scholastic called up and said, hey, we saw this little postcard you had. It was like this little spy guy. And we've been looking for somebody to do a ninja book series. Would you be interested in illustrating it? And it was like, you know, absolutely. I mean, I floored because it was, you know, Scholastic who I'd dreamed yeah. of working for all my life. And, uh, you know, so as soon as I picked myself up off the floor, I <laughs> yes, of course. And then they, and then she was like, "Well, would you be interested in actually, you know, writing it? I know you haven't written anything yet, but would you like to write it? I know you're interested in that." And so, of course, I was just floored again. And um, so that started the process, and now we're. That's amazing three. that they. I mean, you hadn't worked with them before at all, so they let you just right out the gate create your own character and write it as well. Yeah, I mean, I was just floored by the invitation. So. Um, yeah, I feel really lucky to have that opportunity. And what else was and, on this postcard that you sent them? <laughs> <laughs> it was just that. I mean, it was just this. It was like a little. Um, it was a post, a, a little illustration I'd done for a magazine, um, mm. like a small magazine. And yeah, yeah, that's um, incredible. Um, I mean, good for you. Congratulations. That's great. Um, well, what's unusual too about that is that usually they don't have the illustrator also do the writing like that. Yeah. That is a really unusual thing. Like, did they say uh, if that was something that Scholastic does specifically or was it specific to your project or do you know? Yeah, I mean, I think it was just one of those things where they were like, hey, you know, you want to give it a shot. And so they said, you know, can you put together three different, you know, what what would you do as a ninja project uh, mm-hmm. or a ninja story? And so I put together three different, like, concepts. Um, 
And uh, I think that and then I kind of you know showed him like here's how I'd kind of write it and gave him like a page of sample writing for each story. And I, mean, I really, I mean, I was just like all in for it. So I was you know trying to put my very best foot forward and just go above and beyond with that first pitch to him. And so I think it kind of you know showed him that I was you know really dedicated to making something special out of it. And yeah. So that might have helped you know have him believe in it a little bit more and. Then the first book did really well, so then I think that kind of, and really the interesting thing is with Scholastic. I mean, there's such a huge, um, you know, so much history, and they just got ends with every school, and, and they mm-hmm. do such good work of like really testing the waters before the book even goes out. I mean, it went through so many iterations of like, you know, testing with kids and with moms, and you know, mm-hmm. I mean, just it's really amazing what they do, and it's just a little, you know, it's a, a reader one level. Right. So it's not like it's a full-on picture book, you know, like you'd see in, you know, most bookstores. So, but that's what I actually love about it is that it's actually a really I love that format because it's so accessible to kids. I mean, it's yeah, uh, you know, it's three bucks, you know, four bucks maybe in the in the flyer, and, and right. that's the kind of books that I love. I mean, it's an introduction to reading, and mm-hmm. so I, I love thinking that it's a a part of that where kids are actually learning to read with it. So, I wonder, which makes it challenging actually to write that way because yeah. they have such fine. You know, parameters. I, I think that's that's the uh, one of the big myths of writing children's books is that because it's for children, it's somehow easier to write when it, when it's when it like you say it's just the opposite. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about some of the feedback that you got when you were developing this, like because uh, a lot of this you're, you're just going by your best guess, right, or what you feel would be appropriate yeah. for something like this. Uh, and I don't know how much you can actually share, but like, what was some of the feedback you got from whether it was the publisher or just the feedback that they received yeah i mean so they kind of field tested like the first three ideas one was um it was going to be a, a ninja and like a space ninja and a you know earth ninja kind of kids teaming up and mm-hmm. so that was one idea and then the other idea was like this like ninja that would kind of sneak up on these mythical creatures and like finally you know like kind of work alongside like bigfoot or Loch Ness. so it was like this oh. mythical creature ninja i like um, that yeah and then he would like somehow they would have to like work together to work out a problem. Um, and then the third one I put together was um, the one that actually became Moby Shinobi. And they all had different names. And then Moby Shinobi was the last one I put together. And mm-hmm. it was just him, you know, it was like this little ninja will go onto, you know, job sites and try ninja's things until it, you know, messes everything up. And then finally gets to be a ninja hero. Right. So I put together like, you know, he'll go to a construction site and do this and he'll go to a pizza shop and do that. And so I, I put together like five or six locations that he could work at. And I mean, right away that was like, the instant winner. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was excited about that. Cause that was when I had the most concepts for as far as how far it could go. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, mythical creatures is great too. Cause that could go on forever as well, but the location idea has been fun cause it's sort of never ending. Um, how, how many books have you written for, for Moby Shinobi at this point? Uh, so I've written three of them so far. So the, the first two are already out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the third one I just finished writing and then, illustrating actually last month right before i went to california i had finished illustrating it um and then i'm getting ready to write number book number four so wow and then they just put a contract in for book number five as well oh that's awesome so yeah it's it's really fun to see how it's taken out and and again i mean they you know it was really hard at first to just you know like you know jared was asking like some of that hard feedback at first of like hey you know like they're not really getting this or yeah, you know, we really need to come up with. So it's very formulaic. The whole books they all kind of follow a pattern, um, just because of the reader one level. 
Yeah. And I chose to write it in rhyme. So, I mean, oh. it, it was fun. In hindsight, it's made it way more difficult. <laughs> you start to run out of wor- words when it's like, he does certain things the same way every book, you know? So he's yeah. always got like three problems. And then, I don't know if either of you guys read, read it or read it, I'll have to send it to you. But so then that starts, you know, you start to like run out of the same words to say like, oh, darn, I've messed up the, the project every time, you know? So, yeah. So it's getting to be a little bit challenging, but it's almost a fun challenge that you have to think, okay, how's, what's a more clever way to say this? And, yeah. and the, the team that edits it with me is just amazing. I mean, uh, I work with... I was going to ask about that. So you write and illustrate it, but like I'm assuming it goes through the filter and has to get make the rounds internally at Scholastic. Mm-hmm. How different is it from when it leaves your hands to the final product? when it's published yeah i mean it's pretty like uh it's it's not so far from it but they definitely um whittle it down over like, we usually go through like, about three drafts uh, mm-hmm. to get it oh, down it's not to about, that bad well, at all yeah it's not too bad i mean the team is really that first that first book was a lot more you know like oh we got to tweak this because we were really trying to come up with the format that, that it would follow for the next you know however many books so it's he has certain things he says every time like his catchphrases and you know just uh so we were really trying to establish like this familiarity that kids would get with it, whether they were reading book one or book 12, whatever it becomes, yeah. you know, so they could pick it up and continue and know kind of what he's going to be doing, or they could just have a brand new adventure. So um, it's gotten a little bit tighter these last couple books just to be able to write it. And the illustrating part's always a little tricky, you know, you, you sketch it out and of course there's things that don't, you know, quite fit for them or it's not, you know, fitting with the, word so it's it's a process i mean well I, I worked in the educational software field for a while and and though that's different than something that's uh you know uh, what you're doing here with the book but it was uh like this crash course in uh like so much curriculum stuff that i had no idea going into it as an artist um so i'm wondering do you get a lot of uh those kinds of notes about whether it's just a the specific words that are used that are grade level correct or even portrayal like we had to be careful about how we portrayed absolutely everything and and yeah. whether we were putting kids in any kind of real danger regardless of how <laughs> fantasy based it was and and you know the big things are easy to avoid like what yeah, no, that's so true but um, yeah that's exactly it is that because he's a ninja yeah so exactly like he, he is using weapons but they're never actually I, oh, I'm surprised right. they let him get away with like he's wielding like a sword in a pizza shop, but like it never <laughs> actually, you know, no one's ever harmed. It's, so I, I like that they didn't like water down the ninja it's, that much. It's more of an accessory, a fashion accessory than yeah, exactly. an actually <laughs> utilized tool or weapon. Yeah. So do you, uh, but yeah, you, you're working on uh, Moby Shinobi, but do you actually get hired for other people's books to illustrate, um, you know, not write, but just illustrate? some of the other books? Yeah, so I, I usually illustrate about um, 10 to, yeah, probably about 10 other books. Uh, last year, I think I did 12, or th- I guess, yeah, 12, oh, no, 13 books last year, including the two Moby Shinobi ones. So it's a pretty breakneck, breakneck pace. I, I don't think I would, you know, I would probably whittle it down just a smidge. Uh, last year was <laughs> super busy, and this year has been equally busy. Um, so yeah, I, I, have, I do a good amount of, of those and I, I i was doing a lot of series for a little while so that kind of you know added up i did a series with the smithsonian institute with this like little facts book so that was like five books and then i did some with this um like music company that was doing like books with music and so that was like 10 books and so mm-hmm. those kind of things you know span out over two years you know is a pretty 
fast paced turnaround, but yeah, I'm sure. Um, I do want to start pushing more towards just writing my own and actually I have kind of a bunch of stories I'm trying to kind of work into actual pitches and stuff for taking out to, you know, New York next year. Yeah. That was uh, going to be my next question is, do you prefer working on other people's work where it's just, you know, you put your head down, take their direction, or do you want to do all of it where you have to come up with the concept, pitch it to somebody to get approved and then actually write and illustrate the whole story. Sounds like you're on the, you want to create your own IPs and kind of run with that. Yeah. Well, I think I would definitely prefer to do that, but I, I would never want to not work with you know other authors. I think that is just adds a neat collaborative aspect yeah. to. I, if it was more like you know maybe it was like seventy thirty, you know that would be ideal if you could be mm-hmm. working on like seventy percent just original materials and three percent partnering with you know other authors and publishers on different properties. Yeah, Jared, you work on some children's books too, right? Is I mean, do you have a similar outlook? Would you like to start oh, doing your well, own stuff? I- so the books I do are for Disney. Uh, those are pretty much the only books that I that I've worked on as far as children's books, and those are those are kind of separate than what what Luke's doing. Uh, but just because it's Disney and like you're working with existing characters, and yeah. you know, it's a, it's more about staying on model and staying true to uh, yeah. the the property. And like so many people are involved, that it feels more like I'm just uh, like any illustration job you would do for a big company. You're sort of just fulfilling an order you know it's less that Mm. you're involved on the uh, creative process like as much as Lucas which is just fantastic to have that much uh, uh, input for for a project because that's really that is your thing that Moby Shinobi where I feel very you know I enjoy the work but I feel detached from the subject matter because it's not you know it's it's my drawing but it's not my vision per se so it's it's a little bit different um, I think the cool thing is, though, that they let you keep like your style. I mean, that's neat that you kind of got this signature look that they've embraced. So it's not like, hey, we need to make you to look just like Mickey, you know, because I think there's a lot of illustrators that work for Disney that's like, it's only this way that we can draw the princess. So I think it's neat that those books that you have done, like the, you know, the recent Halloween one and Christmas mm-hmm. one, that it's like, here's spin on those characters. I think that's neat that they've allowed you to keep that. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm grateful for that. Like, that was one of the, the big sort of wishes I had. Um, and I wasn't prepared for how difficult it was to, to try to draw these characters uh, in one style that spans across Pixar and Disney. And, and we were even looking at doing possibly other properties in the, you know, within the uh, company as well. So we'll see how that oh, goes. Yeah. But uh, so I, I did want to ask, so like, how did you come up? Like you have the books for uh, Moby Shinobi. Then how did you go and make the puppet? Like, how did that come about? Um, yeah, I mean, so just because I'd done the dinosaur one with Blythe and, and she did such a good job and it was so well received with the kids. Cause I think it was fun that like, you know, I usually don't bring them out until like we've kind of engaged with, you know, the, the students for a little while and then mm-hmm. just like, you know, read the book and the dinosaur comes out and reads the book with them. Then I feel like it just kind of adds a whole element of like, there's the character right there. It's kind of like, I mean, when you guys, I don't know how you felt like when you saw the first like Sesame street episodes, like, mm-hmm. and then you were like reading the books. It was, you know, just, it's a, such a neat connection. I think like they live outside these worlds. Um, so that was really the vision for Moby Shinobi, right? As soon as I started, you know, writing it, I just knew that, like, there would have to be this puppet to go along with it to do videos. And mm-hmm. and I'm still, I mean, I'm, you know, pretty amateur at puppeteering, so I'm still learning quite quite a bit. And mm-hmm. um, I recently worked on that project with Joey Ellis, um, you know, Leaky Timbers, mm-hmm. which, I mean, as far as original content, I feel like Joey's doing something pretty special with that currently. Um, mm-hmm. So that was fun um, to go out and kind of 
learn how to do a little bit better puppeteering and what it takes and how you'd actually have to put the long days in and <laughs> get into some funny positions. <laughs> so what got, the, got no joy do you well. use <laughs> you use the puppet in uh, like presentations for or in uh, public readings for the book? He's like your sidekick yeah. partner. Yeah, so I always bring him out. And it's fun because the kids, like, you know, they give him, like, little high-off fives. And, you know, he has, like, um, you know, uh, Alex made me some cool, like, weapons that, like, these, like, felt swords and nunchucks and, you know, bow staff. And <laughs> yeah. so it's kind of funny. He pulls out these, like, weapons and can – it's still – it's hard because he's, like, you know, a puppet. You know, it's, it might – one hand's in the back of his head and then the mm-hmm. other one kind of has to control his hand. So – if, if ever, I'd like to maybe make a puppet that's a little bit more adaptable to actually do ninja things with. Um, it's hard. You know, I can't really control. So I might have to get a little bigger so I can actually have one hand be a, holding a, a weapon or something to yeah. do a little bit more ninja things. But but the puppet is all – was that all your idea to, to create this thing and have it so that you can promote the book? Or was this part of Scholastic's uh, concept for the book? No, yeah, it was just my idea. And actually, it was really fun because then I think – yeah, last time when I went out to meet with Scholastic at the headquarters, it was mm-hmm. they were like super, you know, surprised. I brought the puppet out with me, and <laughs> so it was fun. They had, they actually surprised me. They put together like a little book signing at Scholastic for all the staff, and oh, that's cool. so it was kind of fun to have like Moby there and you know connecting with the other staff members and all the. I mean, it's just amazing the the people that are doing the book fairs and you know promoting these books. So it was really neat to just see the family dynamic of like Scholastic because it's, it's such a huge company, but. I mean, such a tight-knit group on all these little properties that they have. You know, there's all these branches of different mm-hmm. um, people. I mean, they have so many books and so many age ranges, but each little pocket of people like that I work with, they have kind of a collection of their books that they are sort of, you know, their babies. And um, so it's been really neat to see how much they've just embraced Moby. And and last year, I, I feel like I really lucked out with the, the book fairs. You know, mm-hmm. had him in like the posters that were up at the schools, and he was like one of the main characters on, you know, some of the posters they got. And, that's they really cool. helped promote him in like on the shelves at the book, you know, the books, uh, book fairs. And yeah, so I felt like they did a really good job of launching him. And, um, you know, it sold like, I think over 150,000 copies in the first four months or something. Oh, so wow. it, it did really well. And I think mm-hmm. that's when, you know, we're excited to keep, keep that momentum going. So even with book two coming out, you know, in July, they're, they're already excited for all the, the ways we can get them out then. And I, I really tried to like really own the like promotion side of it and come up with clever, mm-hmm. you know, activities for the kids and, and getting out to the schools. And I think that's actually probably the biggest part of the industry that I've always wanted to get to is actually be able to interact with the kids and be at the schools. And I don't know, you just see a kid light. I mean, it's just like when you guys were younger too, you know, when you, to see kid light up because some artist visited your school or you got you know i don't know it just yeah it makes it seem so it's hilarious i mean the kids stand up and it's like i've authored seven books already you know it's like they, <laughs> they, whenever we do question and answer it's actually never question and answer it's just statements it's it's their right statement. exactly <laughs> that's a so that's fun. a fun and like terrifying thing about kids because they are so honest and uh they'll just let you know right away if something's not working or if they're not interested in something so (laughs) i'm always terrified to to do uh, really young kids but uh it is it is fun like if they're excited and they're into it nothing's better like that's Mm -hmm. that's the best audience you could you could have so does scholastic uh arrange these uh like signings or these appearances for you you just kind of get to do it uh as you as you feel like doing it yeah, right now I've just mostly done local ones, and and then like this year I kind of mm-hmm. requested to be more on their radar for doing more 
um, you know, just around the country at different book fairs or book events that they have and conventions. So I'd like to do more. Um, it's a little tricky with the day-to-day job, but yeah. Um, like yeah. I said, it's just, that, that's a huge part of why I've just connected with the actual audience. You know, it's, I love like, you know, what social media can do and connecting with fellow artists and stuff, but to actually get to connect with the actual audience is really, uh, I think just equally inspiring. Mm-hmm. So I think it's yeah. healthy, a healthy balance there of hunkering down in the cave and yeah. also getting out. <laughs> <laughs> I want to, I want to jump back really quick to, uh, you mentioned Joey Ellis and his leaky timbers project. Yeah. So you helped him out on this pitch video for, um, you know, to as like a TV pilot or something. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. It was, um, yeah. So for those of you that don't know, we'll put this in the show notes, but Joey Ellis is an, another artist illustrator who is, has like a passion for puppets as well. And he created this really fun world called Leaky Timbers where uh, the main monster is, his name is Wolfie Monster. And that whole world he created is just, I'm a huge fan. I was a, uh, backer for his original oh, yeah. Kickstarter, awesome. and I always look forward to his uh, Kickstarter <laughs> updates because yeah. what the Wolfie character he created was just hilarious oh. and so lovable. Um, and to me, it was amazing, like how it was a hundred percent like a kid-friendly uh, character, but it worked so well with adult humor. And like, yeah. it, I don't know, it was it, it's amazing, but. Anyways, to bring that full circle back to Mr. Luke Flowers, um, is that something that you'd be interested in doing with some of your characters, is kind of bring them to life through puppeteering? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, so you, you kind of have done that with Moby Shinobi, but um, is that something you like to take a step further? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I feel like the, the originality of what Joey created with that is it's unbelievable. So I, I feel like I, even just partnering with him more on it, you know, uh, he's got other visions for where it could go. I mean, that first pitch video did pretty good. It didn't get him as far as he'd, he'd wanted, as far as getting in with an actual, somebody signed on to say, Hey, let's make this a show. But I think there was enough interest that, um, I think it's still on his radar. It, it's actually, um, he's actually working on a, um, a scholastic. So he just got a book deal with scholastic to do the next leaky timbers, um, oh, awesome. graphic novel. So it's been kind of fun because now it's like kind of part of the family. Actually, in um, the next uh, Mobushino Weed number three, I kind of put like a wolfy monster poster in the background of one of them. It's kind of like <laughs> a little Easter egg. So this, nice to celebrate job. Wolfie joining this Glastic crew. But um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, if Joey ever, you know, wanted to go beyond, I've told him right away, I'd, I'd drop everything to join that crew. How did you guys link up or did, did he see your Moby Shinobi and thought, you know, this this guy knows puppeteering and uh, we were actually um friends from uh back in like we clicked on dribble i think gosh like mm. maybe like five or six years ago and and I, I like you i was just a fan at first and then you know kind of through the leaky timber stuff then we kind of realized that we we're both fans of a lot of the same things and just the big influence jim henson had on us and, and then over you know and then he started kind of going to some conferences with me and so we were like roommates at the conferences and we're kicking around just dreams and ideas and so from there, it's, he's he's also just a huge influence on just day to day. We'll you know say, hey, what are you working on? What are you struggling with? And so it's been neat to just have also that kind of just camaraderie in the trenches. And between uh, the leaky timber stuff, uh, you're doing a million books a year. You're doing <laughs> illustration jobs in addition to that. Plus, you're doing all these pop culture shows that you like. That is 
an amazing amount of work. And not to mention that you write the longest, most heartfelt comments on everybody's artwork (laughs) on on social network. So you're a very busy guy. Like, how on earth are you getting this stuff done? Like, do you find that you're you're working faster than you've ever worked before or because to get that many books done in a year, like one a month, basically, I think it sounded like, uh, like how are you juggling all this? I think a lot of people would want to know your secret to that. (laughs) Um, yeah. Unicorn blood has helped a lot. Um, good, good, (laughs) good start. (laughs) Uh, no, I, uh, I mean, I I don't sleep a whole lot and you know, I think that's a blessing and a curse some days. So, um, I, yeah, I think it's just, uh, I think it's just a ton of inspiration for those, those kind of projects. I really tried to have a little bit better balance of what to say yes to, what to say no to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's always a process to try to, you know, figure out the, a better balance, but it's, I always feel like it's, you say yes to one project and the next project's like equally fun to be part of. And so, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I work just a regular day, um, and then I usually do a night shift from like. Uh, pretty, usually like nine thirty to like two o'clock in the morning, and, and I feel like that's mm. when I get a ton of work done. I mean, I love working at home, um, and my kids. Yeah. You know, during the school year, it's not a big deal. During the summer, it's a little more challenging. But um, right, you know, I they're really good about giving me that boundary. But it's still fun because I still feel like I get to have lunch with them every day and and see them in that capacity. And then um, you know, I don't try to work like weekends usually. Um, but some, oh, wow. sometimes when it's a really hot deadline, I still work like night shift deadlines, uh, on the weekend. Mm-hmm. So, so do you have to schedule, like, are you crazy about scheduling, like scheduling like so many hours yeah. to work on this and then put it away or, or like, do you work straight through on these books or how do you, what's your day to day like with the juggling all these projects? Yeah, I think that's probably been the biggest like step forward, just having it, this crazy regimented schedule of, you know, sort of like hour of this, you know, big span here and try to really block just blocks of time to like, you know, with social media, it's really hard to not just <laughs> want to spend, <laughs> I could spend all day there. Um, so trying to find a better balance of, you know, like I try to do like maybe a little bit in the morning, some at night. And I mean, just cause I think that's where I get most, some of the most just strongest inspiration, encouragement to even begin working in a day. So I think that's a great way to yeah. just start the day of, you know, just getting inspired. And, but, uh, yeah, I try to really hunker down and just stay like full point uh, throughout the work day and usually have like goals of like, here's how many illustrations need to get done in this window. And then, um, yeah. so it's a pretty tight turnaround. Um, so yeah, it's hard when a project goes haywire and then it's like train wreck central. So I definitely had to learn some yeah. hard lessons that way. Because for me, it seems like I always want to work on the thing I'm not supposed to be working on at the moment. Uh, That other thing always seems more interesting or I'm more inspired all of a sudden to do that other thing. And, you know, I'm I'm very fortunate to be doing the work that I'm doing, sort of like the things you do. You have all these great projects. It's not like there's some terrible, you know, web design job (laughs) during the day and then you get to do fun stuff at night. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you uh, so then how do you fit in these pop culture shows that you do with like Gallery uh, 1988 and things like that? Do you just pick the ones you want to like which are inspiring to you or do you have like a method for that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's like, you know, it's hard to choose because there's so many great themes being thrown out all the time um so i do try to pick ones that like are really like ones i just love or there's like an element that i just am totally connected to um mm-hmm. but i usually try to work my like try to work like day shift is client work night shift is like you know personal projects or 
um, uh-huh. you know, gallery stuff. So I try to keep the night shifts to that, unless it's like a major emergency and like the projects in putting out fire mode. So then I'll have to work around the clock on it. But um, yeah, I try to yeah. keep the night shifts to doing the personal stuff and gallery stuff because that, like, that's just a way to like break up the the pace mm-hmm. of those more demanding client jobs that are, like you just have to kind of stay. The, I think the hardest thing I find going back and forth between gallery work and in children's book work is just the the different mindsets. You know, it's like I'm in the world of like you know. Mm-hmm. pumpkin patch story and then you know mad max or something like that you know so but i mean i think and you guys probably have found the same thing where it's like a lot of times it's those personal projects that get me the the client jobs because those are the ones you're exploring the most you're mm-hmm. trying new techniques uh, you know just being weird with character designs um so i think that stuff is what's usually gotten me like a foot in the door with a lot of other projects that have led to book deals or you know, getting in with magazines, stuff like that. What was the first show you did with uh, 88? Oh, the first show at 88? I think it was, um, I want to say it was maybe the Guillermo del Toro show. The first one, the first show I ever did was out in New York at, um, uh, at Bottleneck. Bo- Bottleneck, um, uh-huh. And it was actually a yeah. Nickelodeon's like, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle 25th anniversary show. So I mean, it was go. the first like show I'd ever done. I was like over the moon about like, because I'd been wanting to do gallery stuff for forever and Mm-hmm. So like I flew out there for this thing. I thought it was gonna be this huge deal, which it was fun. But I like my mind had built it up to be this huge ordeal, and it was just like this <laughs> little, you know, how it is. It's kind of just like a bunch of fan guys there and gals that are just like way into the property, which was fun. But it's also you know it's not like anything I had yeah, in yeah. mind. So it's I it's funny. I have a similar story for Bottleneck where I so I had got the first time I went to New York we planned a trip around uh, Pixar in concert. They were going to be at one of the, oh, the cool. symphony halls in mm-hmm. New York. And I obviously am a fan of pop culture and pop culture art. So I knew about bottleneck and I just, because we were so close, I had to make a trip there. And I had the same thing. I thought I was like, Oh, it's going to be this awesome, huge gallery. But, and the same with gallery 1988, they have great shows there and great artwork, but it's so tiny. It's like this little room. I was, I don't know what I was expecting. Like, a mall of pop culture <laughs> art, <laughs> but I went there and it actually was closed for the day. Oh, so I couldn't even go in there. All I could do was look through the window <laughs> at the gallery. It's like anticlimactic. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. so you flew out to New York for the bottleneck gallery for this. It was a Ninja Turtle show. You said, uh-huh. yeah, I was also yeah. at my um, agents were out there at the time. I was represented by an agency uh-huh. out there. So it was kind of a duo kind of trip. I always try to piggyback things, but, so it's kind of a double thing. And plus, I just had never been out to New York. It was my first trip to New York. And so I was just yeah. excited on all fronts. And how was, how long fun. ago was that? When was that turtle show? Gosh, it was maybe four That was like the years early ago. years yeah. for them, huh? That was pretty early for them. I remember when they were just starting out and they used to do a lot of uh, smaller shows. Like, it's kind of amazing how they've gotten pretty big yeah. over the past few years. So it's... Um, yeah. I think, yeah, like you and I were both, I think, in one of those or those early yeah. groups of people who were doing those little shows at the beginning. There was like a, oh gosh, I can't even remember which ones I did for them. It, I remember it being very expensive because I had to ship these prints to New York. Yeah, that's the hardest and, part. Yeah, that always made me kind of like, eh, I don't yeah. know if I'm going to do all these shows. <laughs> like, well, I'm break even, maybe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So then, like, when you started doing stuff for 88, how did that come about? Did you apply to, to be one of their artists, or did they ask you to participate in a show? Um, no, I think um, I started to, like, um, Shogun, I think if, I, if I'm saying his name right, I've never actually remembered how to say it right, 
I think you've been in shows with him before, <laughs> right? Charmin? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so he helped me kind of get into a couple of shows um, early on. And then from there, then Gallery 1988. You know, but I think it's like, you know, once you start selling, actually selling some prints, then they kind of invite you back mm-hmm. in. And then over the like, last couple of years, it's actually sold quite a bit better. So, yeah, I think once you get on the radar, then they kind of just invite you. And they usually, I mean, you know, they send you like a list of here's all the shows for the year and which ones you want to participate in. And then they'll pop out every now and then when there's some new show that comes up that anybody interested mm-hmm. in diving in on it. But then from there, then like, yeah, then like um, Leanna Lynn's Wonderland, uh, they've mm-hmm. done some shows with her there. And, and then Creature Features, the other one. I was actually in one of uh, the Gallery Nucleus ones as well. That was for the, the Book of Life they did when oh, that came great, out. Yeah. So that was fun to, I mean, just as George is one of my favorite creative heroes as well so it was kind of fun to mm-hmm. actually pay tribute to his and then actually kind of get to know him a little bit through that show and stuff so is that something you're interested in like pers- continuing to pursue and are, are there any other galleries that you haven't been a part of that you are interested in doing work with uh well, i'd say the top one is definitely wonderground um that i think that's the kind of one where every time i like get ready to like put a big like disney like bunch of disney tributes together i don't know i just it's hard to think like, am I really like ready to jump into that world? I, I mean, I know it's like, I don't know. <laughs> it's so, I know there's so many people doing so many good ones. That I'm just like, I don't know if like, maybe, you know, at some point I'd like to do something with the underground, but you yeah. yourself out. or maybe and not so much psych myself out. Just kind of like, it's a whole nother animal, you know, that like, I don't know. To me, I feel like it's the next level up, you know, that and like, even like gallery nucleus, I feel like they're pretty strict about kind of who they let in and, It'd be fun mm-hmm. to do more with yeah. them. But really, I mean, I love, like, the, the crew at, at Gallery 19. I feel like they're just really, it feels like a, a tight-knit family of just, like, artists that support each other. And, you know, the gallery, the gals and the guys that run the gallery are really super helpful and, like, trying to coordinate getting pieces there. And, you know, when you're running late, like, being really gracious with it. So, yeah, a, they a are um, connection to them. They are surprisingly like it always surprises whenever I deal with them how uh, they're very generous. They're they're never like snooty about it or they never act like um, they're doing you a favor or something like like they're very helpful. They're very and like you get very little. um, I don't know. They're just not like giving you a bunch of feedback on stuff. Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. they're it's like once they've decided to work with you, it seems like they trust you to do what you do. And, yeah, uh, I think that's that's kind of rare, and it's very nice. But uh, yeah, I do I do enjoy working with them. Are you doing something for them right now? Do you have something coming up with them? Do they always have a big list of shows. Yeah, um, let's see. The next one, um, Crazy well, the for next, Cult is kind yeah, of yeah. Crazy for Cult is one. Actually, it's kind of I, it's that one. I'm actually doing a duo show with Glenn Brogan. Um, so we're doing like each doing like oh, that'd be really ten cool. pieces together. And that'll be that's actually the other trip I'm coming up to LA for in November because um, we're doing like a each doing 10 new pieces. Um, So that's going to be really fun to just have a full show of just me and Glenn's work and kind of come up with a fun theme. I was just going to ask, do you have a theme already or has that not been uh, figured out yet? Uh, It has been. I don't know if they've really let us talk about it yet or not. I don't know. But You don't don't have to say anything. Yeah, it'll be fine. I think (laughs) they'll definitely put out a little teaser about it in October, I think is when they said they're going to announce the show theme. But, yeah, I mean, I'm such a huge fan of Glenn. It was kind of, they first asked me, you know, do you want to, you know, do a duo show and who would it be with? So I gave him like a long list of people and some some guys said, hey, I'm too busy to join in. But, you know, Glenn was on board for it. So 
Is that the first uh, duo show that you've done, or have you done another one in the past for them? Yeah, that'll be the first like duo show that I've ever done. So we'll see how it goes and see if they'll ever invite me back. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're gonna you'll have to um, bug Glenn to come on to promote the show later on. Um, he's another artist that we've got to get on the podcast at some point. Yeah, man, his fan art is unbelievable. Yeah, it's super clever. Yeah, he's I love his color palettes are just amazing. Yeah. It's it's so unique to him and it it really works well with his style yeah. too. And I like he does so he does a lot of really good like game kind of tributes that I, I have no idea about some of the gaming world stuff, but I always like <laughs> him. So it'll be interesting to see. I think between he and I will have a pretty wide range of Things that we both cross over on, but also interesting yeah. things that we're into. Awesome. Yeah, well, that's definitely something I'll be checking out, too, when that comes out. Yeah. So before we wrap up, is there anything else that you have coming up that you'd like to share with uh, our listeners? I know you said <laughs> you've got another Shinobi, um, Moby Shinobi book coming out. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to plug? Um, yeah, just the, the book number two is out, which is obviously the big push this uh, back-to-school season. And then book number three comes out in December. Um, but I'm also part of a, a fun little um, Nickelodeon Little Golden book series, which was another, like, thing, of, a property I've always wanted to work with was Little Golden and, you know, to work with Nickelodeon at the same time. And then it's also, it's for a show called Rusty Ribbits, which I'm sure you guys probably watch it. It's, my kids watch it. So it was kind of fun <laughs> to actually work on a show that, like, we just watched the episode and then I'm actually illustrating that episode in a book. So... And three for one, right? I know. There. It was kind of a fun the <laughs> trifecta. Um, Wait, so that one is a golden book, you said? Yeah, a little golden book series with Nickelodeon. You know, Nickelodeon has quite a few properties that they do with the little golden books. Um, right, right. So this is one of their new ones. It's called uh, Rusty Rivets. He's like a little inventor kind of guy. But I'm doing is this your three first books with them. gold? Is this your first golden book? Yeah, so that was kind of fun to get my foot in the door with them. So. Love to do some more. <laughs> yeah. You said this is something Disney, that wink, show wink. that you watch you watch <laughs> yeah. You watch with your kids. Um do they think that what you do is cool? <laughs> like does this does it help that you did something that they actually are fans of? Yeah, I mean I think that's one of the, the my favorite parts of working at home is that like especially my two daughters. My son definitely uh is into it, but I think, you know, he's a teenager, he's way more into like basketball and stuff, but he's it's fun. I mean he still connects on the art stuff and Especially this, the like gallery show. Like my son loves the gallery show work that I do, just because he's like mm. fans of the same properties. But, um, <laughs> but the fun thing is like with my girls, they both come in and like they're like my little art interns. Especially in the summertime, where they'll like whatever I'm working on, they're trying to do the same project or like you know if I'm drawing like a poster for a zoo or something, and they're like doing their own zoo posters. And so I think that's that's probably one of my favorite elements of being able to work out of the house where it's actually, you know, it can be distracting, but it can also be such a, a neat way to just, you know, connect with your kids and see them growing as artists. My daughter actually wants to write a, we've actually started kind of writing a little book that we would hope to pitch mm. to Scholastic at some point. It's like a little chapter book. So oh, we shall see cool. Life Beyond Moby. That's sort of where I'd, I'd like to go. But yeah, so stuff like that is just fun. She's She's a really amazing little storyteller and my other daughter's like a little crafter, so together they come up with some pretty fun stuff. Oh well, they're lucky they have uh, they have you as a dad. Then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm I always can... worried. I always worried that if I had kids, they'd be uh, all sports kids, and I would just be so <laughs> disappointed <lost>. and upset. <laughs> 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 but um, you know, I I do want to touch back on Golden Books real quick, yeah. uh, because that's a big 
that has to be sort of a big deal for you, right? To, to be able to illustrate a golden book. Yeah. I mean, it was again, one of those, you know, like they emailed me, it was one of the guys from Nickelodeon was, you know, mm-hmm. Hey, we have this new property coming up. And, and again, I think I, it's just from like doing those gallery shows. I think that's, what's been interesting is made a lot of connections. That's how I got connected with the Henson actually company and being able to talk with like, you know, actually the Henson's himself and like I sent one of the pieces over to him. So it's been really neat to actually, to see the way that some of these gallery shows, because, you know, people out in the, mm-hmm. that industry are going to these shows or hearing about it. Um, so I think that's where some of the times of like fan art stuff, even though it's not original, you know, I, I mm-hmm. often go back and forth. It's like uh, originality versus like, you know, just spinning off somebody else's stuff. But um, yeah, stuff like that, you know, that's the little golden book. You know, they see that and they see that like you can do an adaptation of a character in a unique way then. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of how that came about. So again, I think like probably like you find Jared that it's a little tricky because it's like, hey, they need to look just like this, but make them your own, but also make it look like a golden book. So that was really hard <laughs> at first to make that adjustment to be like, because uh, I'm used to like the really, really, you know, painterly little golden book, but Nickelodeon stuff is a little bit more CG looking. So it was really uh, tricky, but I, th- I think we landed in a good place where it feels sort of like old time you know, little golden book, but also has their, you know, recommend because he's a new property. That's another thing. But some of the yeah. old, older properties, like even like Dora, like mm-hmm. um, they let them kind of be a little bit more abstract with how they paint her. But um, right. when it's a new property, they're pretty specific. Like he needs to be instantly recognizable. So, so what are the, like, is this all handled through Nickelodeon for the most part? Or do you deal with uh, the golden book people as well? And like, what are their concerns when you're illustrating a book for them? Yeah, um, so it's through Random House. They're the ones that own the little mm-hmm. golden books. Um, and so they have all the properties. So um, there's like the people over Nickelodeon, the people over just sort of like general ones. There's people over Disney, which is a huge part. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, I usually just work right with like the art director from uh, Random House, but then they mm-hmm. have to then pass it all over to Nickelodeon, who has to then say uh. whether or not it's working. So, you know, that's the tricky part because it's kind of like several rounds of like hey not quite there um but the people at random house are really pretty good about just being sort of the gatekeeper that they're kind of letting you know what nick Lloyd's saying and go back and forth like that so uh, but That's we're, we're on yeah. book three now so it's a little bit you know again it's kind of like the movie show we want you to kind of get their you mm-hmm. know how they work down the first book i mean honestly it was a little bit rough because i was just not used to the, that much right. feedback on like hey it really doesn't look like <laughs> him hey we need to tweak this we need to tweak this like scrutinizing every like eyebrow and you know cheek shadow and you know stuff like that that it was tricky but at the end i was happy that they kind of you know we found a good balance it was that hard at first to get that much i know like for me no matter how much feedback i get my initial reaction is a little (laughs) defensive (laughs) you know of course you know where they're coming from you could even understand what the comment is but you're still a little bit like yeah like did you just do you adjust to that do you find that you sort of let go so that you know depending on the project I think it depends. Like when it's like a um, like a dinosaur book, where it's like it's just your interpretation of a dinosaur, and they kind of get picky. Kind of, you know, it's like, oh, well, this is, mm-hmm. you know. But when I could really see, like, when it was like, hey, this is he needs to look like. That. I could see where they were going at, you know. So I think when it's an established property, I kind of was more like, okay, it's your thing. I'm just trying to be the like, you know, right? Gatekeep- you know, the just the, like, the- yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I get that I'm just a, a pen at the end of a screen, but um, <laughs> that's the joy of working for the big companies. I think. Yeah. I mean, it's so fun to be part of those, but it is a little bit, it's a different beast than just drawing your own robot and dinosaur yeah, books. So. Absolutely. 
Okay, I know, Mark, you're trying to wrap it up here, but I do have one more question for him. This will be my last question, <laughs> and it's going to be kind of a big one. You must get so many questions from uh, from fans, from readers of all ages, different uh, levels of you know um, artists that are out there trying to do. Do you have any advice in general for people out there that are either trying to get a book, uh, you know, to work in uh, books or to do illustrations? Maybe not their own book, but to do something similar to what you're doing. Do you have any general advice that you that you like to give out? Oh yeah, that's a great question. Um, yeah, that's a, that's the one hard thing. Just trying to keep up with you know the inquiries. I feel like I'm, I'm not very good at that. I have like this long. I mean, I'm sure like you are the same. Where it's like this email list of people. I'm like, oh, I gotta get back to them. I gotta get back to them. In the midst of like deadlines, so I try to be really good mm-hmm. at responding as fast as I can. Um, but you know, when you've got like you know now with all the social media, it's like it's, you know you've got like twelve inboxes going at one time. <laughs> it's kind of tricky. Yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, I think usually. Um, I think I always start with that. I feel like, you know, for me, the social media was such a huge, I mean, I was just like this lone wolf in a little cave, you know, seven years ago, I just had no connection to, it was just, these guys were like guys I admired on, you know, the communication arts illustration annual every year. And then once, you mm-hmm. know, you start actually connecting with some of these guys online and, um, you know, Bob Shea is one of my longtime heroes and, you know, even guys like Rob McClurkin, you know, I, you probably know some of these guys, but like, uh, you know, Michael Slack is another guy that's just huge in the industry as far as like, you know, I've always told people like find somebody, you know, five miles ahead of you and always make sure you're looking back five miles to help somebody five miles behind you. So I feel like that's yeah. the kind of thing that people have always, you know, done for me that it felt like guys that were ahead of me were giving me great ideas, whether it was through gallery stuff. And um, I mean, Jared, you were a big part of that for me when I first started into the gallery stuff and <laughs> fielding all my rookie questions and <laughs> you know, Andrew Cole was another one in the you know that really helped mm-hmm. me just with the um, gallery stuff, and so I think like finding people in that industry and just really you know being bold, just saying, hey, you know, do you have time just to answer a question, or you know, you know, what conferences do you recommend, stuff like that, that I asked those guys early on, and they gave me great pointers, and so I think that's usually what I try to direct people towards is like connect with the people you're looking up to, and, and you know, be bold with your questions, and then. Also, I mean, I think for me, I mean, we all know, just like you'd be doing your research, whether it's current stuff, old stuff, and don't let, I think I always tell people, like, don't just jump on trends. You know, I think it's so easy to be like, what's the trendiest thing going on right now? And just do fan art yeah. for that thing, mm-hmm. or, you know, try to make your style look just like that thing. And it took me a lot of, you know, a lot of years, those first three or four years of just really trying to figure out your voice. Um, so it's a, it's mm-hmm. a journey and I still feel like I am constantly. So. Yeah, that's maybe a longer answer than you wanted, but um. no, not that. <laughs> no, now you that can just was, refer people to this episode. Great. Yeah, <laughs> uh, just copy and paste this the link to this episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm so. I mean, like I've said so many times, like social media, it, it can be a, a huge time suck, but it's also just such a great way to network with. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the one thing I was so you know, in art school. They're like, yeah, it's cutthroat, and everybody's out for on their own, and you know, out to get their own and. I just feel like that's so different than what I've experienced, just feeling like everybody's, you know, there's plenty of work to go around. And yes, it's hard sometimes getting the work, but with the way that people cheer each other on and, you know, sharing each other's work and, you know, just it's amazing to see the support in the art community, I think, in today's culture. To me, it's really Mm -hmm. encouraging. Well, I think you're a big part of that, too. You you put out that positive energy. I think that comes back to you, too. I mean, yeah, there's always there's always some negative out there. But I think you do a really good job about staying positive and and, um, sort of passing that that good on. I think that that makes a big difference. So we can all 
learn a little something from that, I think. <laughs> well, thanks. I appreciate seeing that. Um, yeah, as Jared <laughs> said, I think some of your long uh, positivity comments, we've been able to benefit from those too. This The podcast, um, early on, you had a pretty heartfelt post uh, just talking about the podcast and only positive things to say. So we really appreciate that. Um, and yeah, I really agree with everything Jared said and that you said about um, reaching out with the people. That's kind of how I got started on this creative path too. But that's another tale for another time. Um, <laughs> so that's, so fun. that's what I love about you guys' format. I feel like I'm getting to know you guys just through the, the funny of your um, update reviews. It's just hilarious. It's like, this stuff. So keep it up. I think this, this is a particularly uh, bumbling one. So, <laughs> all right. So before we we get uh, that's right any worse than than we have been, um, we like to end all of our episodes with our social media. So we're gonna leave links to all of Luke's stuff, so it's very easy for you to find. Just go to our show notes. We'll have links to his website and all of his social media. Um, for Squared Co., you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at Squared Co., and our website is squaredco.org. Uh, that's it for today. Thanks for listening. We'll see you later. Thanks. Thanks.